It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Thursday afternoon, and kind of a grab bag episode coming up with a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball. After the win against Kansas on Sunday, you would think I'd start with them number one, but to be quite honest, we have so much basketball talk coming up, including Monday, when I have to figure out one of two things. Either I might be able to go to the season opener against Eastern, or I'll try to find a Big Ten Network Plus stream and do the second half from the comfort of the studio here. But regardless, basketball will probably become the primary thing sooner rather than later. So we will get to that at the end of this episode and and reflect a little bit on what was as big of an exhibition win as one could ask for, and altogether impressive from Brad Underwood's team. But there is quite a bit of football that we could get to, and I wanted to actually start off with tying football and what's going on there with our athletic director, Josh Whitman, who is on the verge of getting an extension. I think that would get him upwards of $1.5 million a year. It would be three extra years on his contract. And, and kind of look at the most macro sense here of Illinois sports with Josh Whitman at the top and say very clearly that I think he has done a pretty darn good job in many objective ways. The fundraising looks to be better than ever. If you're looking at all the facilities, especially, I know that the Big Ten Network money pays for a lot of that, but I you got to expect that so many of that is being bankrolled by big names, and that would kind of speak to the names that are being given to the track and field place and all the, the baseball indoor facility and the updated oven facility. There are really rich Illini fans, and thank God for them. So the fundraising part of it, for sure. And I also think that there is a perception piece that – A lot of credit needs to be given to him for stabilizing what was, remember, a very messed up athletic department. And when the hiring process began back in the winter of, oh my God, winter of 2015 into 2016, I remember the names that were being thrown around were either Rick George from Colorado, Tom Michael, who was at Eastern, and then the wildcard candidate was Josh Whitman. Seemed like the young up-and-comer, but was going to be quite the leap, considering that he was at Washington University in St. Louis, a D3 school. Now, as time went on, and Rick George was either slow playing it or just not all that interested, and listen, if your family is set in Boulder, Colorado, and you got a stable gig out there, why move? And he is still there to this day, even though the Deion Sanders thing, as good as that started, we'll see. And then the Tom Michael thing is someone that had grown up in this community. Tom Michael is known for being just a a great dude. But there would have been a lack of excitement around that hire. And if anything, a little too close to the Gunther experience that we'd had. That led to this new mystery box candidate. Who's this guy? Josh Whitman. Okay, well, I remember the name. I remember him playing for Illinois. Ooh, law degree. Clearly a sharp guy. Started going down the rabbit hole on YouTube and watching videos and seeing him talk and thinking, oh, okay, this guy has his stuff together. And for an athletic department that was in such shambles, you really did want <clears throat> a face, a figurehead that exuded calm and control and, let's be honest, intelligence. Because it's not to say that Mike Thomas was not intelligent, but some of his decisions made you question if he was. It's funny. I always... Like talking to Mike Thomas, he came on our Saturday morning college game day live with me and Brightweiser a few times and was always open and ready to talk. And he did not rub me the wrong way that he did a lot of higher up donors, it sounded like. A lot of the quarterback club sort of people that are a lot more of the lifeblood of, you know, donors. Listen, I haven't donated a dollar in my life to the university. Full disclosure. Um, No offense to them. I I hope to someday, but let me get my grad degree first and make a little bit more money. But (laughs) I digress. I do think that we were in such dire need of a respectable figure. He has been that. In addition to the fundraising, in addition to the facilities, he has been someone that is a respectable individual, a good figurehead to have, someone that is now one of the more tenured ADs. Now, I was on the Alani cast with Austin Berkland and his co-host Sonny earlier this week, and they asked me to give a grade for Josh Whitman. And I think I went B-plus saying that I can't quite give him an A because the jury is out on football. And I think even Josh Whitman would admit that is the case. But as I look at this news coming out today that he's going to get extended, I think, well, that's ultimately a good thing. I think stability is important 
but it's only important if you actually trust that person at their job. And I think for the most part, I do, and I think most Illini fans do as well. Even with the frustrations of this 3-5 and five football start, it just feels like you have a guy that knows what he's doing and will make corrections if he so needs to. Now, this leads me a little bit into football and potentially the role of the athletic director and how can he help your football program make a bowl game every year. <clears throat> and to be quite honest, Illinois football has not done that forever. So it is a Herculean task in some respects. But on the other hand, in this college football era that we're living in, there are things that programs can do to sort of ensure that they make bowl games as long as they just don't outright suck. And the news came out today of Illinois football's 2024 schedule. And there's some good news and there's some bad news with it. But let me run down this list of next year's games first and then give you what I think Josh Whitman could do in the immediate future to make an impact. And perhaps this is going to be seen as controversial, what I'm about to say. Illinois' schedule next year begins with a non-conference opponent, TBA, week zero, Saturday, August 31st. Or maybe that's not even week zero. That might actually be week one. Saturday, September 7th versus Kansas at home. Saturday, September 14th versus Central Michigan at home. At Nebraska the 21st. At Penn State the 28th. Ugh, Penn State again. Off on October 5th. And then Purdue at home on October 12th. Michigan, October 19th. At Oregon, October 26th. Hello. November 2nd versus Minnesota. Bye week. And then you get Michigan State at home for senior day on November 16th and finish the year at Rutgers and at Northwestern. Now, what does this have to do with Josh Whitman? Well, the non-conference does because he is the one that's scheduled. I believe, I'd have to go back and double check, but I believe scheduled the Kansas home and home, the Duke home and home that's coming up, the Missouri series that's coming up, North Carolina later this decade. And here's my proposal to Josh Whitman because... Football, after all, is the thing that matters the most, even at this so-called basketball school. Buy out the Power 5 non-conference games. Buy them out. If you want to keep Missouri, I get it. That would be fun, sure. Buy out the Kansas game next year. Buy out the Duke home and home. Buy out North Carolina. Bring in the cupcakes, because this program is in desperate need of making bowl games. Imagine a beginning of the season where instead of playing Toledo and then at Kansas, you play Eastern Illinois, and then you play, I don't know, Central Michigan. <laughs> like I don't really care. Elon, do they even have a football school or program? I'm not sure. I don't think there's so much to the idea that you get better in the non-conference by playing better teams. Because I've seen plenty of teams, on the contrary, play a bunch of scrubs, and it has not affected them negatively in conference play. Minnesota is sitting on top of the Big Ten West. And this is after a non-conference, which they always do this all the way back to the Glenn Mason era. This is going back to a non-conference where they played three scrubs, whose names I I tell you, but I, I can't remember. I don't think they played any Power Five teams, and if they did, they weren't very good. Meanwhile... We start off with a gauntlet against Toledo, squeak out a win, get smoked at Kansas. Hey, that's probably going to prepare us better for the season. Did it? The wheels came off. Bad start, wheels came off. You are not a program that can afford slow starts. And I don't know if you'll ever be a program that can afford slow starts. Recognize where you're at. Recognize what your ultimate goal is. Your goal is not Big Ten championships right now. Your goal is consistent bowl games. How do you do that? And what is your role as athletic director in all of this? You've got money up the Yazoo, or is it the Wazoo? Whatever it is, as I'm mixing up my verbiage here, buy out these games and go get some buy games to get home wins. The non-conference should be three gimmies, and then you play conference games. And oddly enough... Despite the 1-4 start in the Big Ten, I think that Brett Bielema can compete just fine in the Big Ten, or I should say fine enough to make bowl games as long as you grant this team the three wins at the start of the year. There's no shame in that. Let's just say hypothetically you buy out the Kansas game next year. What's the blowback? Do you remember the Louisville and Indiana 
that, that series is over because Indiana bought that game out. You know how much that was in the news cycle? Four hours. No one cares. Louisville fans got over it. Indiana fans are probably thinking, thank God. And now they're going to schedule a scrub and have one more win than you right off the bat. I understand the drawbacks to that, the lack of excitement that you get for a home game against some scrub team. But you know what? The excitement is derived from winning. And while there might not be quite as many people at a home game against Elon, to use that example again, than Kansas, I guarantee you the fans that go back out in the tailgate lots afterwards will be a hell of a lot happier than if they were to walk out to the lots after a Kansas loss for the second year in a row. And if we're being honest with ourselves, with Illinois' history against Power 5 non-conference teams, we are not feeling good about that game going into next year. Why would we be feeling good about that? So I don't know if that was too much of a reach to take this discussion about the athletic director getting an extension, which I think is fine and totally warranted. Overall, a good job from him. But the big kahuna that's out there, the thing that he still has yet to figure out is consistency with the football program. And one thing that he can't put his fingerprints on is the schedule. He's already done that with these Power 5 home and homes. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. And it's not, if you were to ask me, Carp, if he doesn't get rid of it, do you then judge him for it or do you hold that against him? I don't know because I, I don't know the ins and outs of buying out these games. All I know is that it can be done. Because teams do it all the time. And if you've got the resources to do it and you can help secure another win for your program, do it. And frankly, it doesn't matter if Bielema would be pissed about it. It doesn't. Your job as athletic director is to set the stage for your coaches to have success. How can you do that for football? A program that is always going to be in a tenuous position until, frankly, it is not. Whenever that might hopefully be. Someday in my lifetime, who knows? What you can do as the athletic director is set them up to succeed. Right now, non-conference games against Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, that ain't it. And if you want to keep Missouri for the fun, fine. But guess what? They'll probably beat us five more times in a row, and I'm frankly sick of losing that too. We can, we can keep losing to them in the bragging rights game, and that's enough for me. But overall, good news. It's good to get that stability. He is, I think, a pretty solid athletic director. And if football ever gets going, then you are going to feel like, whoa, how lucky are we? Is it all his fault? No. But is there more that he could do? Yes. So let's start now. Open up them pocketbooks and let's get some scrub football teams here in the non-conference. More on this 2024 schedule in a bit because when you're three and five, frankly, sometimes you just got to look forward. But before I get too far ahead of myself, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Custom Zones. Like the Maui Wowie, which I realized during the game on Sunday, Maui Strong, Maui Wowie, that's the perfect Calzone. But frankly, Calzones are great for any Illinois ba- basketball or football game, and you will have a lot more victory Calzones, I'm guessing, during basketball season online at dpdo.com. Also, Dogtown Heating and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728 to schedule your furnace checkup. Ours is toasty. Anytime we got to crank it up, give it that little extra juice, our house is warm within like five, 10 minutes, and we got an old house. So the fact they were able to get it working as efficiently as it is speaks to just how good they are at Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Also, Owen Builders LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Check out their gallery online. They have indoor and outdoor projects they can work on, kitchens and bathrooms, patios and decks, you name it. They're very versatile at what they can offer you and your home. That is owenbuildersllc.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. Um, hopefully see Brian out in the lots. I'm sure we'll get him in for a basketball game or two this season. I always enjoyed having him last year. And yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I, I don't know anything about insurance. It's one of those things that I just kind of hand off to my agent and hope that I can trust them. But since Karen and I have been working with Brian, we have found our guy. We will stay with him for as long as he's doing his thing. And I, I can personally recommend that you will not regret making that change either. Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Okay, uh, also got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Partners with uh, the 200 level. And if you are an Apple Podcast listener, 
ratings and reviews are big. I don't know if Spotify does that or not, but if they have a rating function, that helps too. And of course, we're on YouTube, and we'll be getting that uh, cranked up a little bit more regularly, especially with these live reaction games. Every now and then, when it's a midweek pod, for example, if I, I just come in after my run or after school and just try to knock it out, and it can be a little quicker to do that without the video components. So that's what we're doing today. It's audio only. It's throwback. I mentioned the schedule for 2024 and what it means for the non-conference and the things that you can control from Illinois' perspective, and that's why I really hope to guide you by out the Kansas game. Will they? I doubt it. I wish they did. I'm not looking forward to that game. Are you Are you genuinely, just hypothetical, asking yourself, are you excited that the Kansas Jayhawks are coming to town next year? I mean, maybe a little bit, but would you prefer that or would you prefer a scrub team that you know you're going to get a win? Because here's the deal. The rest of this schedule, and I know it's kind of silly to look at these, but what the hell. If you are a program that just plain doesn't suck, and I know we said the same thing this year, here are your home games. Kansas, let's hope not, Central Michigan, Eastern Illinois, which they got to reschedule and maybe that's the August 31st game, Purdue, Michigan, Minnesota, and Michigan State. What luck here. Getting Michigan Michigan State on the schedule, which will be the first year under whoever their new head coach is, and they're going to have a dearth of talent next year. That will be a full-on rebuild because Mel Tucker left them in a world of hurt. Getting Minnesota at home, that's always a a pretty good matchup for Illinois, and I think Saturday is going to be the same thing. Purdue at home. I know they smoked you, but they aren't going to be good either, so hopefully we figure our stuff out by the time we play them again. Central Michigan. I'm looking at this home schedule, and Kansas and Michigan are two of seven home games where you think, oh boy, oh boy, that's a problem. But you know what? Get rid of Kansas. Let Michigan be your one home loss that you can almost circle in, even though that is, cool as it is, about 100 years after the Red Grange game. So they did keep that in Illinois schedule. Thank you, Big Ten, for that, because that is probably going to be a big to-do, and I'm guessing homecoming as well. I don't know if we're going to regret Michigan being the opponent for that, but what the hell? Like, Just schedule the game, play it, let's see what happens. And then the road games, it could be worse. I mean, at Nebraska, it's not going to be easy, but they're still working on things. At Penn State, okay, well, we understand. At Oregon, okay, fine. <laughs> I will grant you that's probably not going to be fun on October 26th. But then you win the year at Rutgers and at Northwestern. The point is, the Big Ten did not screw you in this schedule at all. And the 2025 schedule gets much tougher because you have Ohio State, Michigan, and USC. Good God. That's not going to be a lot of fun. Again, Work on your non-conference so you don't need to win as many Big Ten games, but I've already addressed that. As I look at the schedule next year, it does set up for the opportunity to win six-plus games. Now, I said the same thing this year, and they've had a wholly disappointing season. And that kind of transitions into, well, what could we hope for for the rest of this season? Whether it's realistic or whether it's pie in the sky. But you got to consider the four opponents that you have left and what are the realistic outcomes. When you have Minnesota on the road, Indiana at home, Iowa on the road, Northwestern at home. Now, no doubt, Indiana and Northwestern are playing with a little more spunk. They are. They're still bad, but they are playing with more spunk. So do I expect them to be blowouts? No. But there is a weird bit of, I don't know, unencumbrance as a fan thinking, okay, Brett Bielema, it's year three. If you can't beat Indiana Northwestern, you ain't the guy in year three. I know that sounds dramatic, but frankly, I, I look at those games as I don't care how good those two teams are playing. You just got to win. So that makes it a little bit easier to navigate mentally with those two home games remaining. But the Minnesota game and the Iowa game make this last four interesting, starting with Saturday. And I'll be honest. Not like before Maryland where I thought that we'd probably get our our doors blown off of us. But a little bit more like the Minnesota game last year, despite very different circumstances where you were six and one, or excuse me, five and one going into that game, and this one where you're three and five. I'm pretty sure that you were three and five the last time you went to Minnesota two years ago. I think it is a tremendous matchup for Illinois. You have a quarterback that does not scare you at all. 
You do have a fifth string running back unless they got a little bit healthier back there. And I know that Newbin ran all over Michigan State, but Michigan State is hardly a power five football team at the moment. They're a total mess. They'll credit to Minnesota. They did what they had to do against a total mess of a program more than Illinois could say sometimes. And I think Jeremy Warner made a good point on his most recent Illini Inquirer podcast. Illinois has played really good seven of the last eight quarters. It just sucks the quarter you didn't. And they let that get away from them. And we were understandably angry because of it. But what if the trend line is more to do with those seven quarters than the last one? What if that eighth quarter was the aberration and this team somehow after that Nebraska debacle found something? Now, I don't know if that's ridiculous because there are certain things that traveled well both in the Maryland and the Wisconsin games, namely your run game, namely Altmeyer being able to make plays with his feet, the offensive line looking a little bit better. Those were constant, or I should say consistent, excuse me, in those two games. It just wasn't enough in the fourth quarter against Wisconsin. And there were a whole host of issues for that. Defensively, you have been playing better until you didn't when it mattered the most. So when I'm saying this, it sounds like I'm discounting the Wisconsin fourth quarter. I'm not, because that probably cost you a bowl game. And we'll wait and see how these four games play out. But there is one way to negate or forget about that Wisconsin game, and that is just going 4-0 right now. And as ridiculous as that sounds, there's a part of me that just says, okay, jerk jerkheads not jerks but like okay boys you've crapped your way through the first eight games of the season and not necessarily wasted the entire thing but boy you've left a lot of opportunities out there just go in the last four now imagine for a minute if that were the case imagine if you wake up the sunday after thanksgiving and illinois is seven and five after winning their last four do you feel good about it i feel great about it recognizing that the path upwards from the basement, which is what Illinois football has been, it's not always going to be a straight line. And that's not rationalizing how bad the two and six start was because it was abysmal. And that is not, or the two and four, excuse me. And that's not rationalizing the Wisconsin fourth quarter because that was even more abysmal than anything that came before it. It was a joke. But I do think that there is still a path, as ridiculous as it sounds, eight games into it, for this team to find their way to a feel-good season. Another alternative that's maybe a little more realistic than winning your last four regular season games, winning three of the last four and winning your bowl game, somehow kind of backing your way into a lesser bowl and playing a lesser opponent than, let's say, a Mississippi State last year. And then you would feel pretty damn good, right? There are still paths out there for this. And the fact that you got Minnesota... On Saturday, a matchup that's been very good to you the past two years, a team that offensively does not scare you, that defensively does their job, but I don't know if they necessarily scare you either. And there's certain parts of this game where I just say outright, you are better at this position than they are. Your quarterback is better. That is kind of a big deal. Michigan State couldn't say the same thing. They hung around and then Minnesota just kind of pulled away late. A lot of these games from Minnesota are just absolute death marches to the end, and then they win by two or three. And credit to them. At least they win. At least they know how to close games. And that might be the case on Saturday, where we watch, and it's close, and it's extremely frustrating as Illinois, yet again, proves that they don't know how to close out games. That could be the case. But I'm going to go a little bit off my marbles here, and something that hit me earlier this week, and I'm actually going to hold to it. I think Illinois wins like 23-14. to 14. And... It just strikes me that it is a mix of the bye week hitting at the right time, the fact that maybe seven of the last eight quarters are more indicative of where this team is at now than that eighth quarter, as much as that hurt, and that the Minnesota matchup has been great from year one for Brett Bielema, and there's no reason to expect it to be a bad matchup here in year three. There's just That's just not what I'm seeing when I watch Minnesota. Now, the game has to be played. You actually have to not get in your own way. But again, Illinois didn't get in their own way for seven of eight quarters. When did they start getting in their own way? At home, which has not been the best place for Brett Bielema's teams, at home. In the fourth quarter, when Johnny Newton goes out, and then undoubtedly the mental component played a factor. 
Now, I felt it in the stands. I'm sure that they felt it kind of coming down on them from the stands. That's no excuse to choke the game away like they did. But it was certainly something that played a factor. Here you are playing sleepy Minneapolis on probably a chilly November morning where, you know, the Minnesota fans, they aren't necessarily packing it in as far as sellouts are concerned. It's not the craziest environment. And even though they're first in the Big Ten West, no one really believes it, right? I mean, what's the excitement level up there? That's what I'm kind of getting at. I just can't imagine it's that crazy. So you are not really going into the lion's den here. To me, it actually seems like a perfect opportunity to get the hell out of Champaign, kind of like the Maryland game. And Joey Wagner, I he didn't call the win at Maryland, but he did say that this team tends to do better when they just get away sometimes. There is historical precedence for that being the Penn State game and the Maryland games. And maybe even last year, when you look at the Michigan game, after two consecutive rough home losses, where no doubt the negative energy going around Memorial Stadium, if you've been there, you felt it. It sucks. Downright toxic almost. And now you just go play ball. Maybe that's what this team needs. Now, I say all that, and have I thought about this scenario? Illinois beats Minnesota, comes home and loses to Indiana. Oh, you bet I have. I mean, that actually sounds about right. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But here's the thing. In, this, in the search for relevance with Illinois football, in the search for any sort of sustained success, I will take whatever they can give me until they actually are accomplishing this notion, this idea of sustained success. Getting to four and five with a home game on Dad's Day against Indiana to go five and five. Is that going to get everyone that pumped up? No. Is it going to add a little bit more juice for me when I go to lot 31? You bet. And I'm at a point now where, frankly, that's all I kind of need. Yes, this is not the season I'd hoped for or any of us had hoped for. Yes, I have a lot more questions going forward than I certainly did coming into this season about the coaching staff and where the heck is this thing going. That's all true. But as long as the games are being played, give me something to latch on to. And you lose to Minnesota. The Indiana game is the afterthought to end all afterthoughts because then you're just kind of waiting to see if you can somehow pull off an upset on the road against Iowa, which is not impossible because they can't score unless you throw a pick six or something. I think you can win in Iowa, but you know what? It's going to be harder than Minnesota. So if a bowl game is to happen, it does kind of feel like Saturday has to be the start because time is running out here. And if you do get it on Saturday, at least it adds a level of intrigue that we didn't have. That's why the Maryland game was a big win at the time, because it did add a level of intrigue going into the next week. Did it not make that next week a little bit more fun? Just those moments where you'd be not daydreaming, but thinking about the Illinois-Wisconsin game. And for tailgaters like myself, thinking about, okay, well now, not only do we get a tailgate on a nice fall day, but we actually have an exciting game to look forward to. And we did. And it was exciting for quite a bit of it. I think eventually, too, there, there's this really simple put-up-or-shut-up thing. Oh, boy, I still do like Bielema overall. But as was noted on my last podcast, really focused on Illinois football last week entitled Angry. I am a little tired of, I don't want to call it a sideshow, but the continued emphasis on officiating. Because that can all be true. Yes, the Big Ten officials suck. Yes, they missed the Wisconsin offensive line and changing numbers. A little bit of gamesmanship, a little bit, you can call that dirty, whatever you'd want to. Wisconsin change, changing his number and then throwing him the game-winning touchdown pass. But there were about 30 other plays where you could have made a difference. It's just harder for me to be that outraged by it because you were up by so much and you had so many things that you could have controlled yourself and you just didn't do it. You let it fall right through your hands. I think that game might have been different had you been on the road. I think that if you're at Camp Randall and you're up 21-7, to you close that game out. Here, it just seemed to go very bad, very quick, and everybody in the stands basically puckered up and thought, oh, Jesus, this is happening again. And because I somehow found this weird level of bemusement, at least I was telling myself that, oh, I don't know these guys on the field. Listen, who cares if they get it done or not? Yeah, I'm sure that part of that was me protecting myself. But the other part of it was me actively fighting against this idea that happens in that stadium a lot. That, oh boy, we're going to blow it again. 
Because eventually there's just no scientific nothing behind that. There's not. There's no ghost and there's no supernatural thing behind it either. There's no ghost. There's no hex or curse. Eventually, you just are what your record is. In this program, too often, the record's been bad, which means the program's been bad. So I I just kind of want them to put up or shut up. Bielema can earn a lot of points back if they have a strong end to the year. 4-0 would be ridiculous. Winning three of the last four and then winning your bowl game, that's another one. Anything short of that, eh, you didn't put up. Failure of a year. And even a 5-7 and seven right now, they beat Indiana Northwestern, which is probably, as I would admit, the most likely outcome. You win the home games, you lose the road games. But for some reason with Bielema, it's never really been a straight line since he's gotten here, and that might be because he is trying to rebuild this thing. Uh, rebuild being kind of a loose word because you do have, you, he, you had some talent when he came in here, and you still have some talent now. But anything short of 7-6 and six is not going to feel good. It just isn't. Six and six, and then losing your bowl game, not going to feel good. So somehow getting seven wins is not impossible. The schedule in front of you is not hard. The road games in front of you are against two of the most abysmal offenses you could ever imagine. If you lose, it's because Barry Lunny is going to bury Lunny. Even though I thought the last two weeks there was more good than bad from Barry Lunny, I actually thought both games were called pretty well, to be honest. But what happens? My prediction on Saturday, I know it's ridiculous. I think Illinois wins comfortably. And then the game's going to end. I'm going to look at the TV like, what the hell? 23-14 Illinois. How about that? Guys, I just it just feels right. And if that does happen, at least it does add some intrigue going into the last three. Before we transition to basketball, wanted to address something real quick from last week. Now, I kind of know my place in the Illini sports media sphere, whatever that means. I'm a podcaster, former radio guy. I got a nice little niche here, but by no means am I the News Gazette. I'm not Jeremy and Illini Inquirer and those guys that are doing the actual coverage on the beat, uh, putting their full-time jobs behind that, right? So this is, for me, something I really enjoy doing. It's a side project. And anytime that I speak out against or about, I should say, other Illini media people, it's really because something they've done does not sit right with me. And the last reason that I would do something like that is just to poke or to start some sort of feud. We are not in a large market. Media feuds are not particularly interesting. But to give you some context as to why I commented last week, this was about something that Robert Rosenthal had tweeted out. And Robert, hey, you know, He's got quite the following. He also is not afraid to say what is on his mind. I can respect that. And often he's very eloquent about backing up what he is saying or or, or just explaining what he means, right? So I respect that too. I am not the most avid follower of Roberts, but being on Twitter, sometimes things just enter the sphere. And what had happened was he took issue with the News Gazette. Now, I've had many issues with the News Gazette over the years. As a lifelong Champaign-Urbana resident, there are times where I feel like the newspaper is not fully representative of Champaign-Urbana and that it is, in some ways, a very kind of sleepy, tired newspaper. Now, in fairness, all newspapers now are struggling just to make ends meet, and the News Gazette, I'm sure, is no exception. Somehow they're staying afloat, and God bless them for it. I'm glad we have a paper, flaws and all. Thank goodness we still have them. And after Saturday or two Saturdays ago collapsed to Wisconsin, their headline, whether it was the front page or the sports front page, I think said complete collapse. I mean, they came right out with it. I didn't think twice about it because, in all honesty, it was a complete collapse. Robert Rosenthal took issue with it. You know, on Saturday or Sunday morning, he said, you know, this is something you'd see out of a Philly newspaper. He thought it was overly cruel and was talking a little bit about the student-athlete angle of this. And this turned into a thing in the middle of the week, and this is what I took issue with. He went on a sort of Twitter diatribe about this headline, and (laughs) Jeff D'Alessio, who is now the editor-in-chief of the News Gazette, he used to be the sports editor, I think, but Jeff D'Alessio replied something along the lines of, well, that's what a fanboy would think. Bear in mind, 
I'm at Fanboy Carp, and I tried to do that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, though I know that's not always the case. But he was basically telling Robert, of course, a fanboy would be offended by this. And what Jeff was saying, the subtext of that was, our headline was fair, we thought about it, we published it, we have no issues with it. Now, the conversation here between those two guys wasn't what got me. It was, it was what followed from Robert that really kind of set me off, and I'll explain why. He then said, well, we could have had a debate about this on the air. And it was at this point where I, just that sound you just heard, that sort of exhale. I have bit my tongue a bit with Robert because the frustration that I have is while I think I and many Illini media people, big and small, kind of know what their role is within the landscape, I feel like he's struggling with it. He is not quite sure if he wants to be the voice of the fan, which he's extremely good at, and the the knowledge, for example, that he has of Illini football is unparalleled. But he also wants access and press credentials And there is a cost that comes with that. So in many ways, he's trying to have his cake and eat it too when it comes to covering the team. And I think he's struggling with that. And basically what I tweeted out after that, because I I felt compelled to say something, because one, as someone that did get their degree in journalism, for all the issues I have in the News Gazette, they're just trying to do their best. And I did not at all think that the headline was unfair. And it characterized what happened that fourth quarter against Wisconsin. Secondly, the notion that any Illini media person or any Illini fan or anything could say, well, you could have debated me on the air about it to the editor-in-chief of the News Gazette, to me, was laughable. Why would Jeff D'Alessio grant a debate on the air with Robert Rosenthal, a fan columnist. What kind of ego does one have to have to think that you are somehow granted access to the airwaves on somebody else's radio station to debate a headline that they cleared themselves and said it was okay? Why is that even a debate in the first place? That's a whole other thing. But it's the notion that somehow in in Robert's mind, this was like a, a natural next step. I'll go on the air and have a debate with the editor-in-chief of the News Gazette. That's not how this works. Have your niche. Be good at it. He's got a hell of a lot bigger following than I do. That's okay. Do your thing and do it well. And what he does well, there's no one else like him. But I've noticed that in the last couple years, and even his own fans have noticed, there are a lot more grievances that he's sort of airing against mostly press organizations or the NCAA for not giving him the best press credential for an NCAA tournament game. And again, I echo, what do you want to be? What's your role? Are you the fan or are you the journalist? It's hard to be both. When I got the Barry Lunny interview, I appreciated it. I like talking to Barry Lunny, but you know, I knew that that was the extent of the access because if that continues, how am I going to be able to come on here and have real conversations the way that I would like to at least about his performance. God knows I would have liked to have praised Barry Lunny all year if I could. And I, again, do think he's done pretty well the last two games. But he didn't do so hot the first eight, or first six, excuse me. And it's arguable about the last two as well. I got my problems with him as a play caller. And if I were to continue to have access, the way that I like to speak and the way that I like to podcast, that gets a little bit tricky at that point. While Robert is maybe not as mercurial in the way that he talks about Illinois disappointments as I am, and while he is certainly not as scorched earth as I have been, he I get angry and he just gets bummed because he, I think, takes a lot of football losses harder than I do for sure. And he has probably been in the proverbial trenches more with a lot of football than I have, admittedly. But just just pick a lane, you know? And I, I think that that complication is just leading to these really random Twitter feuds and, and these grieve, airing of grievances all the time. And it's like, you got a good thing going. Just do, do that, man. S- save yourselves here. Like, just enjoy what you're good at and stop the, 
Jeff D'Alessio does not owe you a freaking debate because you didn't like the headline in the News Gazette. That's not how it works. So get over it in the kindest way and most respectful way possible. Just wanted to get that out of the way and, and wanted to again reiterate. There's nothing I said on this or nothing that I would tweet that I wouldn't say to another Illini media person. The same thing goes for when two years ago Kedrick Prince was putting out, be sure to buy your tickets for the Illinois-Nebraska game. And I said, dude, you get credentials. This is not your role to promote buying tickets to Illinois football games. Let the marketing office do that. That's not your role. He took issue with that. I would say it to his face. He blocked me on Twitter, but whatever. (laughs) That's a whole other thing. Good luck to him. But I, I mean this truly. And I think people that have met me and know me know this to be true. There is not a thing that I would say on this podcast, and there's not a thing that I would tweet that I would not say in conversation with the person. And furthermore, I, I also think there's nothing that could not be hashed out. I know that's a double negative. I think anything could be hashed out if there were such a thing as a feud, which there is not. But just the way that I call out Alani Sports, and sometimes at the very tip top with a Josh Whitman or a Brett Bielema or Brad Underwood, we have such a small little pocket of Illini sports media. And in many ways, we're lucky to have so many of the voices we do. But anytime that someone either, I don't know, abuses that or seems to have lost the plot, you know, I'll say it. And hey, What's the, uh, the trade-off of that? They can say that about me. If they are so inclined, have at it. That's fine. Okay, enough of that little soapbox there, but just wanted to clear that, get that out of the way because it was a little tweet thing last week. I've never actually engaged with Robert. I don't know if we've ever so much as replied to each other on Twitter. I don't know if I've ever seen the guy in person. I would have no problems talking with him, but at the same time, I'm not going to demand a debate with him. That's just not how it works. Okay, Illini basketball for a little bit before we get out of here. Sunday night, impressive altogether. I did the first half here, and then the second half was every bit as fun. The way they closed that game out, and played it, by the way, like it was a real game, from the rotations to the energy on the court. I mean, you just saw it. This was not your normal exhibition game. They wanted to win it. I think there's value in winning it. I think there's value mentally and for camaraderie or building that team identity, whatever you want to call it, winning a game like that, exhibition or not, is only going to serve to help this team. The things that stand out in retrospect, now that we are five days away from it, most of all, are the size and athleticism of this team are very impressive. Marcus Damask, upon rewatching a little bit of that, is really good. And I liked the pickup at the time, but I thought he's more of a role player. I don't know. This might be a case where because of the supporting cast around him, you will see the best year yet for Marcus Damask. And he'll run point. He'll play the two and three. He is tall. He's six 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 seven. Easy. You see him stand next to Quincy Guerrier. He's basically the same height. Quincy Guerrier, really good addition. Terrence and Coleman looked so much more relaxed. If you were to read into body language, there was just much more of a positive vibe around. It, it really, to me, felt like, you know, I was pleasantly surprised on Sunday, but in a way, mildly shocked how much fun I had watching this team because last year it had become such a slog. And part of it was seeing the body language on the court became such a, a downer. They didn't look like they were having fun. Everything that I saw on Sunday was a team that was flying around and having fun. Now it is a long season. There will be disappointing losses. There will probably be an inevitable swoon in December and January, as there often is with Brad Underwood, and we'll see if they can ramp it back up when they get into mid-January and the rest of the year, as he often has done. But I do wonder, what is the true weakness of this team other than point guard? Notice I didn't say three-point shooting, and here's why that is not as big of a concern for me at the moment. In the second half, there was a very telling stretch of game where Illinois, I think, had missed about three straight three-pointers. Now, last year, that did not at all dissuade them. 
they kept shooting them, especially Matthew Meyer and Jaden Epps. They just kept launching them up there. Hell or high water, we're going to keep shooting. Instead, this Illinois team decided, okay, well, let's get aggressive again. And against this Kansas team, they were able to take it to the rim almost at will, drawing more fouls than Kansas drew against them in the second half, getting to the line a lot more than Kansas got to the line in the second half. Long story short, they looked better than Kansas. Now, that does not mean that Illinois is number one and Kansas is 25. That does not mean that Illinois is going to win the Big Ten. That does not mean that my expectations have fundamentally changed because at the end of the day, I think that the floor is quite high for this team based on all the returning guys and the the veterans that you brought in, but we're still not sure what the ceiling is. But I can say today, five days removed from it with almost certainty, this season will probably be a heck of a lot more enjoyable. And for me, that's a start. And if this team can establish an identity from the second exhibition game against Kansas, that they will outwork the other team, that they are older and smarter than the other team, boy, oh boy, that's, that's fun to watch. And I had one final thought if you want to dream big. 1998, Illinois wins the Big Ten, somewhat unexpectedly. Michigan State was the favorite, of course. They shared the conference title, ultimately, because Purdue won at Michigan State on the last game of the year. But the reason that Illinois team in 98 was so fun was these veterans were just really wily and very smart. And hey, don't get me wrong, they were talented. Kevin Turner as a senior was fantastic. Matt Heldman, as good of a shooting guard as you could ask for, super reliable. And then you had Jerry G, Jerry Hester, Brian Johnson. I mean, it was it was just a remarkably smart team where I could see this team embodying some of those traits in a Big Ten where you have Purdue and Michigan State as the surefire favorites. And listen, Purdue's floor is even higher than yours because they got a seven foot four freak. And Michigan State has a backcourt that is probably better than yours. But this is a really interesting mix of guys for Illinois. I think them and Maryland are the two teams that are going to be the most interesting in the Big Ten as far as can they compete with Purdue and maybe Michigan State to challenge for a title. Those, to me, seem like the two other teams, Illinois and Maryland. And I will give kudos to Brad Underwood, someone who I criticize mightily, that maybe he found something with this group of players. And whether it was blind luck or it was all part of the plan, we'll never know maybe because they really wanted Ray J. Dennis, and I do think that still would have made a big difference. But for what you have, it was very impressive the way that they played together, the way that for 40 minutes they sustained the same effort. They were smarter than Kansas. They were better than Kansas. That doesn't mean that they're going to win every game. And that doesn't mean they're going to get a one seed in the tournament and blah, 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 blah. But you know what? I do think that it gives us legitimate reasons to think, okay, this is not just simply running it back from last year. In fact, this could be a fundamentally different team. And for the horror show that was last year and how that ended, that is a big relief and actually quite exciting. So we'll get back to more Illini basketball on Monday. Again, we'll figure out what we want to do with that because Sunday we'll have to do a post-Illini Minnesota podcast after hopefully Illinois gets the win there. I'll be honest, though. Let me rephrase. If Illinois loses with basketball season hitting, I don't know if we'll do a post-game or a Sunday morning if Illinois just loses to Minnesota or if they look really bad doing it because if they lose, there's not going to be much to talk about. You know, it's just kind of, that's kind of what it is at this point. There's not much excitement. If they win, it's pretty intri- pretty intriguing. And I'll be honest, I do plan on doing a podcast Sunday because I think they win. 23 to 14, as I said. Mark it down. By the way, Keith Randolph is going to play. Reggie Love is going to play. If you are leading at halftime, you will win the game. And if you don't, you got major problems with your coaching staff because Johnny Newton coming back in the second half, fresh as a daisy, ready to go, he's going to knock some heads. He's playing at an absolutely insane level right now. So if you were leading at halftime, game, set, match Illinois. That sounds bold for a team that is three and five. I just don't think Minnesota's good. I don't care what the record is. I don't think they're good. So I plan on doing a podcast Sunday morning. Worst case, if Illinois loses, I'll let you know, and we'll be here Monday night, probably for a second half pod in the basement as I watch the game streaming Big Ten Network Plus on my computer. Do I shell out the 995 for one month of coverage? 
Oh, maybe so. Maybe so. I'm already, thank you, Pam and Dennis, my parents, <laughs> already borrowing the Peacock account. Thank you guys for that. Which, by the way, it's a great streaming service. I will recommend that. We finally got started on Yellowstone. And Lord knows I'll have to use that during Big Ten basketball. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this Thursday or Friday, whenever you're listening to it, or Saturday before the Illinois-Minnesota game. Not going to do a second half pod for that. Going to be having a garage tailgate of sorts with some friends and enjoying what looks to be a beautiful Saturday. Until I see you again next time, reminder, the DP Doe's online at dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating Air, Air, Heating Air and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. And finally, Owen Builders LLC online at owenbuildersllc.com. Sorry for stuttering or stumbling over my words a little bit today. Truth be told, flu goes away on Sunday as I'm doing the Illinois-Kansas game. And I feel better Monday, but the problem is my tooth still hurts. I've had this lingering tooth pain. And I contacted my dentist Tuesday night via email and said it's gotten bad. Because it had. I, I was waking up in the middle of the night with this tooth pain from a wisdom tooth in my back lower jaw. They get me in Monday morning. Take that sucker right out. God bless them. Got to give a plug to my my friends at Illini Smiles. They didn't pay for that. They just have earned it with great dental work. And the thing is, even though it feels much better, it has kind of, I noticed just that one less tooth back there. The back of my tongue is like, Where, where'd that go? Where'd that go? So as I'm trying to shape my tongue and say the words that I normally would say, I've noticed I've stumbled over a few of them today. I promise I'm not drunk or on pills. I do promise you that. Uh, but we will be back this weekend or Monday. I'll keep you posted at Fanboy Carp on Twitter and at the 200 level. In the meantime, everybody, have a great Friday, great weekend. Enjoy the nice fall weather, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level. 